Hi, this is Sally Reed Martin, and you're on this TV Confidential. Robertson wants our guest, Jason Stewart. Jason Stewart, the Swiss Army Knife of actors. Jason often been cast as managers, psychologists, and now, most recently, police detectives, but he has always been able to immerse himself in a host of characters, including the villainous plantation owner Joseph Randall in Nate Parker's searing drama, Birth of a Nation. Jason Stewart is also one of the first openly gay stand-up comedians. His book, Shut Up, I'm Talking, coming out in Hollywood and making it to the middle, is available in softcover and as an e-book through CCB Publishing. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jason's website, Jason Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T, JasonStewart.com. For listeners in Southern California, Jason Stewart will be appearing at Book Soup in Los Angeles. He'll be signing copies of his memoir, Shut Up, I'm Talking, along with special guest Alexandra Paul. Alexandra Paul wrote the foreword to Shut Up, I'm Talking. Jason will also be appearing at the Comedy Central stage, Sit and Spin, at the Hudson Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, beginning at 8 p.m. A little further out, he will be appearing at the Quad's Video Bar in Palm Springs on Tuesday, October 22nd. For more information on these and other upcoming events on Jason's calendar, go to jasonstewart.com and click the Appearances page. Let me ask you this. I know the last 10 years or so, you've been focusing a lot on your acting career, your film career, but when you would develop material for your stand-up act, how would you go about doing that? Would you record stuff into a recorder and transcribe it? What was your no, process? I stopped writing things down into the second year of my 36-year career as a stand-up. So I don't write anything out. What I do is I have a list of bullet points mm-hmm. of things that happen. Like you and I will be talking and I'll tell this story and I'll say this happened today. And then that's the way I'll do it. And then I'll just start doing it in my act and then I'll develop it on stage. So I'll bring in a new one or two or three new bits. If I'm like, I'm going to the Ave Casino on Friday to headline there. So I'll do literally like, you know, two or three, you know, new things that I'll bring in to it. And I'll drop them within the show. Or if I'm working in town and I'm doing a showcase spot, I'll add one thing that's new into it. And that's the way I do it. Sometimes if it's a, a workout room, I'll do all new stuff. And then, then I'll do something old at the end that I know that's going to kill. And I also love my, my comedy. I'm a nightclub comic. Mm-hmm. I'm not a performance artist. I'm not a storyteller. That's the new things now. I'm just somebody who's funny who talks about what happened and what's going on in the room. So my show is basically what's happening in the moment also. And I, I, I'm very much in the tradition of uh, D- Don Rickles or Joan Rivers in that sense that I am quick and uh, I love to play with the audience. People call it insult karmic or, or crowd work. I don't call it that because I don't think that's what it is. I think it's about being in the moment and using the audience as your partner and making the show just for them. Yeah, and that draws on your skill and your background in improvisation because no two audiences are the same and no two reactions to any joke or any set or any particular bit in your set will ever be the same. And so Not at all. It's a new show every night in every sense of the word. Yeah, very much so. I mean, there's a set online now on my website 
that is just from uh, a show that I did for some girls. There were literally five beautiful girls on before, all thin with great bodies and all funny. And I thought, oh my God, what am I doing on this show? And because I was the uh, oldest comic with the most credits, they put me on at the end. I thought, oh God, why am I going to follow these young, beautiful curls? They're all, you know, under 35, all gorgeous. What is this audience going to want to do with me? And I went on and had one of the best sets I'd had all year. And it's so much fun. And it's because I was in the moment and I dealt with what was happening in the room. There was one girl talking about how she wanted to find a guy and he had to have a washer and dryer in his apartment. And I just talked about that. And she wore this outfit. She didn't have any pants on. <laughs> and I thought, you don't even have any pants. I wouldn't even let you. If you were my kid, I wouldn't let you leave the house. Yeah. So I also bring my agent to it. There are clubs now in Los Angeles that don't want to hire me anymore because of my age. Yeah. Because I'm not on a TV series or I'm not young. So if you're not on a comedy series or you're not young, they're not that interested in working, especially if you're not straight. The comedy clubs still are the same. You'll see one woman on the bill and mostly all men. And very rarely will you see a gay person who's out, you know, once in a while. And there's a certain um, old school mentality that straight men are funnier. And if the girl is, and now it seems like, you know, and I don't want to be you know, negative, but a lot of the people are very good looking now in comedy. And that used to be our job, yeah. that I'm unattractive. But, there, you know, there was a quirkiness to the people. Now there's no more quirkiness. Now people are just good looking people who want to be funny. And of course, the industry is more, always more interested in good looking people, especially young, good looking people. So you sort of lose your spot in the line of that, in aging, with an interesting conundrum of sorts. Do you think that's an offshoot of the reality TV era, the last 15 years? Oh, very years? much so. I think it really influenced up reality TV, the idea that you could go on YouTube and do your own thing. You know, there, a lot of people don't have beginning or endings of jokes. They just tell stories, and it just sort of peters off, and there's no jokes to it. It's and not that that is bad, because, you know, it's just a different style of comedy. Yeah. But it's not it's not the comedy that I am interested in, in terms of uh, performing. If you want to catch up on Jason's latest performances, where he will be bringing his act, go to jasonstewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T, jasonstewart.com, Jason's... Click on shows. And click and on shows. What movies and TVs are coming up, you just pick on news. And then I'll tell you all about that. My, my website's pretty, you get the books. It's, it says books slash shopping. You can read the press that's going on. There's all these great interviews that have that, that I've been doing because of the book. And uh, I always want an easy uh, website so you can just click on things. I agree with you. I, I believe in making things as easy for visitors and listeners to navigate as possible. So you were able to read my book in a whole day? Yeah, I work from home, so I have a good relationship with my boss. I was able to block out the day. I love that. <laughs> Jason's book, Shut Up, I'm Talking. Did I get it right? Shut yeah, up. Shut Up, I'm Talking. Shut Up, I'm Talking. Uh, coming out in Hollywood, making it to the middle, available in soft cover and as an ebook through CCB Publishing, as well as Amazon, where books are sold online. You, you kind of touched on this earlier when you were talking about birth of the nation and the process you took to immerse yourself into that character even though 
the sense of entitlement that comprised that character was foreign to you, but you immersed yourself because that is part of what you do as a character actor. I understand, having read your book, that one of the first glimpses of what it meant to immerse yourself as a character actor, I understand you first got a glimpse of that when you were in third grade. Third grade? Yeah, you had a teacher who performed stories for you. Oh, my God. Okay, Mrs. Wexler. Yes. Yes, Mrs. Wexler, and I'm assuming she's passed. Yes. She uh, used to read, she read us Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. And she became each character with her voice and her body. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, look what you can do. You can just become something. And that always interested in me much more than playing myself. People would always say, you know, they, this part's perfect for you. Like, I'm auditioning for a part now of this very strange southern man who occasionally who works in, uh, on, on a gospel radio show, and he also works in a porn shop in this town. It's very much like <laughs> True Blood, this kind of town. And I wear some eyeshadow or something in it, and he has a ponytail. I don't know. What they, you know, they see this, and it's interesting, and, and they couldn't get me in on this part, and my agent uh, pushed and pushed, and they got me an interview. I guess they're having a hard time finding the person to play this part, and I'm working on that now, so it's something that's, and I'm still not there in my mind of where it takes me a while to, to I vegetate on things, mm -hmm. I sort of uh, ruminate, and I sort of, I do what I read Anthony Hopkins' book, and what he said just so uh, took. I just so took to this because he said, "Read the part over and over and over again, and just a hundred times, and it will come." And that's sort of what I do. It's the importance of doing whatever it takes to prepare yourself, whether it's just reading the part or just finding that essence of the character wherever it is, so that. I also read, like, before you called, I was typing it out, just my line. Uh-huh, okay. I, I do that all the time, and then I, I change the, the words in the sense that, in the grammar of it, like, I'll write out words that I don't understand, and I'll write them in phonetically, because mm -hmm. I'm dyslexic, or I'll put in p p commas and things where I want the character, that, that are things like, if you read it, it would be very bad grammar, but the way I want to say it, or the way the thoughts come to mind. Because I don't, like, look at the way I stuttered when I was trying to think of the word to say to you. People do that in life all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't do that in, in acting for some reason, in a lot, of, a lot of things. But now I think that's what people do. That's behavior. And uh, I, I want to have that in my work. You know, and I also do a lot of watching of other people's work. I only watch great things. I rarely watch junk television. Rarely, if at all. Because there's so much great film and television and theater around. I go to the theater, too, a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there are several places in Shut Up, I'm Talking, uh, where Jason <laughs> talks about some of the many movies that left an impact on him, both personally and that helped him as an actor, uh, one of which is Ordinary People. Big time. And, Just so big for me. And another is a movie that not a lot of people talk about as much these days, but it was one of the, in the world of movies of the week, made-for-TV movies, it was one of the landmark 90-minute movies of the week, that certain summer with Hal Holbrook. Oh, that movie changed my life. 
mean, it just uh, completely wrecked me. Okay, this is 1972 when it first aired. You're 13, 14. You, you sort of know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you sort of know that you're gay. And so the fact that a major network television movie addresses what you're going through is important. And yet, because it was a couple of years before the American you know, Psychiatric Association clarified that... Well, it, was, it, was, it was just an amazing film. It's the first time I ever saw two men mm-hmm. who were in a romantic relationship that weren't wearing a dress. Yes. And they were just guys. And it just completely changed who I was. Mm -hmm. And yet it still took you several years before you, I'm not going to say accepted who you were, but uh, I mean, let's put it this way. Without going in too much detail, throughout your teenage years, you tried to pursue heterosexual relationships. Oh, that's my job. Yeah. And And I will be doing a reading of that particular chapter. Which is now it was yeah, I used to call it the dating game, but now it's called the last train to heterosexuality stops here. Yeah, I'm going to be doing that at Sit and Spin, August fifteenth in California, Los Angeles at the uh, uh, Comedy Central stage, doing a reading of that, and also August second, I believe, I will be doing a book signing at Book Soup in Los Angeles, and I'll be reading from the book. But. Uh... I have to ask, because you, you mentioned the original title hey, of that chapter was The Dating I'm Game. I'm so impressed that you've read the book <laughs> and you're asking questions that, that no, you know, I've been doing press for the last, uh, God, since May, and uh, I'm so impressed that you're asking me questions that no one else has asked me. Well, that makes me feel good, man. So Yeah, uh, because I get asked the same questions all the time. Okay, hopefully this Not is... That that's bad, but, you know, it just I, I, No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Well... This may be a question that somebody has asked you before, but let me ask it anyway. The dating game that you did, I mean, you did an episode of The Dating Game, uh, like when you were 18, 19. Was I that did it in 1979, and it took them a year and a half to get us the, the date. I didn't put that in the book, but it took them a year and a half to them to do it. I was so young, and I went on a, they gave us a free trip to Mexico City. And Jason said in several pages talking about what happens after you win. And we won't give that away. You have to pick up a copy of the book. But my question for you is, that was the Jim Lang dating game, which to me was the only real dating oh game. Oh, my God. Yes, you're right. Was there another version? I think there was, wasn't there? There are a couple of versions in the 80s. I think Elaine Joyce hosted one. Oh, uh, God, you're good. Yes, I forgot. Uh, and I like Elaine Joyce, but to me... Wasn't she married to Neil Simon? I know she was married to Bobby Van. I don't. Yeah, remember. but I think she married Neil Simon afterward. I'd say. You're probably right. If I had my phone, I would cheat, but I'm not going to do that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I always love about the Jim Lang version is that at the end of the show, where they would play the Herb Albert music, is that everyone would start swinging, and uh, I mean, oh, yeah, because yeah. it was the late '70s. They had Jim wear the prom suit tuxedos, but he pulled it off. He was a charmer. Yeah. He was certainly an attractive man, but he had this incredible essence about him that made you feel like he was going to take care of you and everything would be good. Mm-hmm. He had that ability, which a lot of people don't have. Yeah. Now. 
Well, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the difference in a lot of the newer wave of stand-up comics and that it seems to be more a factor of looks, not that looks are not important, but it seems to be a factor of looks versus essence. I agree with you. That is lost in a lot of respects today. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. On the line with us is Jason Stewart. Jason Stewart, the Swiss Army Knife of Actors. We'll continue our conversation with Jason after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Ed Robertson, along with her friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series uh, set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me. Many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for Valley of the Dolls. It's not. It's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes, called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy, some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars, and they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-649-0142 800-649-0142 That's 800-649-0142 Hi, this is Titus Welliver. You're listening to TV Confidential. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. A program that may help get aggressive and unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates, and they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. That's 800-488-5880. Hi, everybody. How are you? This is Julie Bunn, and you're listening to TV Confidential. 
Ed Roberts with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will air next week on the station at the usual time. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, our guest this hour is Jason Stewart. Jason Stewart, one of the first openly gay comedians. Jason has been performing stand-up for more than 30 years, but he did not find his piece of ground as a comedian until he started doing stand-up material about being gay. Jason talks about that and more in his memoir, Shut Up, I'm Talking, coming out in Hollywood and making it to the middle. Shut Up, I'm Talking is available on softcover and as an ebook through CCB Publishing. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jason's website, Jason Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T, Jason Stewart. For listeners in Southern California, Jason Stewart will be appearing at Book Soup in Los Angeles. He'll be signing copies of his memoir, Shut Up, I'm Talking, along with special guest Alexandra Paul. Alexandra Paul wrote the foreword to Shut Up, I'm Talking. Jason will also be appearing at the Comedy Central stage Sit and Spin at the Hudson Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, beginning at 8 p.m. A little further out, he will be appearing at the Quad's Video Bar in Palm Springs on Tuesday, October 22nd. For more information on these and other upcoming events on Jason's calendar, go to jasonstewart.com and click the Appearances page. We just did a three-part series on Merv Griffin. And, oh, my God. And you talk about one of your first national TV appearances was on the Merv Griffin Show. Tell our listeners a little bit about your experience with Merv. Well, the first thing is when I went in to do the uh, meeting, whether I was going to do the show, I just did my stand-up for the guy in the room, and that was it. It wasn't like uh, I had to audition him to come to the club and redo my set, and they trusted me that I had been doing stand-up. God, I'd only been doing it three years, but they trusted that that set would work. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that was incredible. Now they try to micromanage people. I hear that all the time, that the people try to micromanage the comedians. And I never was able to get past. I did all the comedy shows on TV when I was younger during that time. And I did Star Search and all that stuff. But I was never able to get to more talk shows other than Merv Griffin because I think that uh, whoever I was was not manageable to them. I wasn't the... You know, also being gay was certainly no uh, no no plus to a lot of these people, and that's always sort of saddened me. Yeah, I was going to say we're not quite in the age of enlightenment that we're in today. Although, as we alluded to earlier, even in the so-called age of enlightenment we're in today, we still have a ways to go. I think so. I think that they, in terms of uh, talk shows, all of them are. You know, they all want you to do it a certain way. They want to certainly control it and i don't think that uh that works well one of the things that made Merv different from his peers is he knew what it was like to be a performer you know he didn't do stand-up but he sang so he knew what it was like to be in front of an audience and so my understanding is that that's why a lot of actors and comedians and singers love doing his show because he shared a bond with them I didn't think of that, yeah. yeah. I think that was wonderful. Yeah, and in a way, when um, there was an anecdote you say had to do with tapping, either tapping his arm or tapping your arm, it's like he understood when you were telling a story and he respected your rhythm and he did not want to interrupt your rhythm. No, and it was amazing. That was really amazing. I can't tell you how... It's something, and I've 
used it over and over and over again in my own career, mm -hmm. and I've told people to do that. So it's really, uh, whenever I've done something, if I'm you know, going over a bit or something, please don't let me do that. Yeah. And I've done that. So that's really been sort of wonderful. Let's see. We've talked about your upcoming appearances, your upcoming book signing and book reading appearances in August. We've talked about where people can find your upcoming stand-up performances and how to book you as as a speaker. Do you have any other film projects? Or you, you recently did a web series. I have other... a web series that I'm in the process of editing called Smothered with a good uh, friend, uh, actor, and uh, writer, Mitch Hera. I also have a film called Hank that's been doing the short film festival circuit and has been doing incredibly well. And uh, I also have four different movies coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about them? or, or would well, you one, of the, one of them is coming out this summer. It's called Abducted, and I play my first detective. I play Detective Walter, and it's starring Scout uh, Taylor Compton from Nashville. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, God, the, the guy from Borak. Um, oh, um, not, not, not Sasha. Yeah, the, he's in it. Michael Yuri from Ugly Betty's in it. And it's a wonderful film. It's a drama, a thriller, action film. And I play the sidekick to the pretty girl who's the uh, head detective. And I walk around and I'm basically like my brother. I'm slightly irritated. <laughs> <laughs> I have around and I'm doing that. And then I have uh, another film called Immortal coming out, which is so good. It's about four different people who die, but never really die. And it stars uh, Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks and Inglourious Bastards and Meryl Van Peoples and Dylan Baker from uh, Homeland and um, Robin Bartlett from Mad About You, who you've seen her in a million movies. Mm -hmm. they're, they're all so good. Really good acting in this. And then I have another film that you don't see me in the whole entire film, but I have a very large part on the third lead in a film called uh, The Fair. It's a science fiction uh, about this guy and this gal in a cab. It's very much like a, an episode of uh, Twilight Zone, and I play the dispatcher, and I talk like this. I'm like Danny DeVito from Taxi. <laughs> and, and then I'm in another film called Hank, which is doing the short film uh, film circuit. It just was in Palm Springs, short film international. And I played this very sweet, kind uh, guy that doesn't have a voice, basically. And it's, a, it's an unusual part for me who's in a relationship and it's the only one where I'm playing somebody gay and um, he doesn't have a voice and he can't really speak, you know, his feelings and he finds his way because he doesn't want to be in an open relationship. And uh, when I was working with the director, I had him cut half the uh, dialogue because I wanted this guy to you to see it on his face more than you would see it in the dialogue. I wanted them to, and it, it's, it, I've gotten some of the best um, reviews of my career on this film. This is probably a stupid question, but I just, I just want to make sure I, no, no, I just want to make sure I follow you. When you say he doesn't have a voice, is he mute or is he just, you know, unable no, to? No, it's just, a, it's an emotional not I, having a voice. Gotcha. You know, and just listening to the fact that you asked the director to pare down some of your dialogue, that means that whatever words you say in your scenes, they have that much more 
impact or, or at least whatever you bring to your performance in those things, the totality of the performance adds to the impact. Right. That's a terribly inarticulate thing to say, but I hope you caught what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. I totally got it. Okay. <laughs> Shut Up, I'm Talking, coming out in Hollywood and making it to the middle, is available in softcover and as an ebook through CCB Publishing. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jason's website, Jason Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T, JasonStewart.com. Well, I hope you'll visit us again later in the year when your movies come out. We've only scratched the surface of your life and career, but you're a very interesting man, and I hope we'll have a chance to chat again. I really appreciate you taking the time to interview me. Thanks so much. Jason Stewart will be appearing at Book Soup in Los Angeles. He'll be signing copies of his memoir, Shut Up, I'm Talking, along with special guest Alexandra Paul. Jason will also be appearing at the Comedy Central stage, Sit and Spin, at the Hudson Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, beginning at 8 p.m. A little further out, he will be appearing at the Quad's Video Bar in Palm Springs on Tuesday, October 22nd. For more information on these and other upcoming events on Jason's calendar, go to jasonstewart.com and click the Appearances page. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential... This is who you're missing. Ben Connie Stevens. Don Wells. Eric Braden. Tony Camille. Jansen Williams. Don Most. Troy Finnis. Peter Borchardt. Sherry Alberoni. George Slaughter. Dan Castellaneta. Taylor Hicks. Lindsay Wagner. Loretta Swift. And many, many more of your favorite celebrities and people behind the scenes in the world of television. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Hi, this is Wayne Perret, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Production Diary. As the production dates approached, Roddenberry, having suffered from a bout of exhaustion, took a break. He left behind a memo telling Gene Kuhn how Stan Robertson felt the script still leaned too much toward fantasy and wanted a few of the more fantastic sequences reined in. In his haste to leave for his own shore leave, Roddenberry failed to have the memo delivered to Kuhn. Ed Robertson with a reminder that Mark Cushman's books on film and television include These Are the Voyages, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, an epic-length history-slash-biography of Star Trek, the original series that goes where no film or television book has gone before, transporting the readers back in time and behind the scenes of the making of the original Star Trek while also capturing the drama and emotions that percolated behind the scenes of all the players and personalities on the show. These are the Voyages, Volumes 1, 2, and 3 are all available in hardcover, paperback, and as an ebook through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group. Volume 1 of These Are the Voyages, also available as an audiobook through Jacobs Brown Media Group, Amazon.com, and wherever books are sold online. Also a reminder that Kathy Garver's website is kathygarver.com. You can follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Kathy Garver's latest book, Holiday Recipes for a Family Affair, is available in paperback and as an ebook through BearManorMedia.com, Amazon.com, and wherever books are sold online. Also, a reminder that Jason Stewart's book, Shut Up, I'm Talking, coming out in Hollywood and making it to the middle, is available in softcover and as an ebook through CCB Publishing. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jason's website, Jason Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T, Jason Stewart. Uh-huh.
That'll do it for our program. This week, folks, Ed Robertson, behalf of Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grace, Greg Airbarn, our producer, Chris Carman. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.